Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be interviewing actor Craig Bierko. He's been acting for decades, and some of his more notable roles include Cinderella Man, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He's been on Sex in the City, Murphy Brown, Law and Order, Mad About You. He's done The Music Man on stage, Guys and Dolls, and Company. You've seen him in so many different things. He's really interesting. He's funny. I can't wait to talk to him, but before before I do, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with Craig Bierko. Welcome to the show, Craig. Welcome to me. <laughs> I am so excited. You have no idea how excited I, I am to is, talk that to you. That is that is absolutely true. <laughs> you can stop right there. I I, uh, I have no idea what it is like to experience ideas. It sounds painful and heavy. I have enough trouble carrying around my hair. The idea of actually carrying something inside this head just sounds like a waste of time. Go ahead. <laughs> And see, this is why I wanted to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> Precisely why. But I just have to, I've got a whole bunch of questions for you. Um, okay. And I don't know if there's, okay, I just have to say, my boyfriend and I, um, I was going to save this to when we get to Sex and the City, but I'm going to talk about it right now because we obsessively watch Sex and the City. And yeah. so, like, we love the jazz man and we're always, like, you know, talking. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, guess who's, because he's also a podcaster. And so I said, guess who's going to be on my podcast? Jazz man. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. So I'm like, we're both excited. So I'll, I'll get oh, to some, I'll, I'll get to more of the jazz man questions um, down the road. But, okay. Um, okay, so the first question that I have for you here is, do you know yeah. what I saw when I Googled you under the people who asked section? People who asked. Like, I don't even know what that is. Well, like, that sounds when, very okay, vague. I, I go to Google, right? And yeah, I put your yeah. name in. And then it shows me your Wikipedia, and then it shows me your IMDb, and then it says people who asked, and then there's okay. all these questions. And the oh, first it's questions people have about yes, me. Yes. So sorry that wasn't clear. Yeah. So the oh, okay. no, first question. Do you know what that yeah. first question is? Am I available, uh, <laughs> ladies? Ladies, I'm always available. Let me give you my phone number. It's seven. I have one of the first numbers in the New York uh, Murray Hill Seven. Just on Murray Hill Seven. Hit that seven hard. It's an old phone. I'll pick up. You tell me where you are. My mother will pick you up and drive you over to my place. We'll have some fun. We'll have a cash exchange. Everyone gets a complimentary bottomless cup of coffee. And, and I'll send you on your way. It sounds What's awesome. the question that people, I can't imagine anybody's curious. I, I, I think I probably do know the question, but I'd rather, let's, let's go ahead. And I'll, you know what? You tell me what it is and I'll confirm whether that's the question. What happened to Craig Bierko? That's the question. <laughs> what happened to Craig Bierko? Is that wow, what you were, is I, that what you were expecting? Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, is, that, is, is that do they mean like what happened? Like, did he get killed in Nam, or does well, that? Yeah, mean, so that's what I thought because I'm like, or looking, did he go nuts? Because like, I can tell you right now, that, a lot of that's just hairstyling. I have like an, I have like a, a young Irwin Corey, Professor Irwin Corey, uh, look to my hair. 
looks like my brain exploded. You're gonna make me laugh uh, through this whole. Thing. I don't know what what I don't even know what that means. What I happened? Don't either. It sounds like a well, we we were seeing a lot of them, and suddenly we're not seeing a lot of them. Well, That's I didn't know what you know. Like you can click on the question, and then this is. Oh, I, I can I can assure you I won't be, but. Uh... <laughs> but this is when I clicked on the question. Yeah. It, this is what came up, despite the injury. Bierko continued rehearsing, eventually performing oh, the role I after. Um, so it was, but it was that was the question. It was like, what? I oh, thought it, that was it the was weirdest thing. It was regarding an injury. Yes. It was regarding an injury that I had. Yeah, right? and it was something you were doing, I think, when you hurt your shoulder oh, or something oh, like okay. that. It's good to know that it's not that. What the hell? Exactly. Happened? Like I was, you know, I was like the middle. I was like the twin to Adam Rich on Eight Is Enough or something. What happened? He didn't. He have a twin? Yeah, it was Craig Bierko played him. He was the, like the Partridge Family drummer. Remember in the days when a kid could just be replaced? Yes. He used to scare the hell out of me. That's what I be. That's why I would behave very well as a child. I just didn't want to, you know, wake up one day as another kid. Um, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. So yes, uh, I, I I was doing a musical uh, called Matilda. It was produced uh, by Dodger Productions. They they did the Music Man, which was mm -hmm. where I I made my my Broadway debut mm -hmm. in uh, the year two thousand, which still sounds futury, but that's that's <laughs> when I did it. And uh, a couple of years later, uh, I got a call and said, hey, would you like to play uh, Trunchbull in Matilda? And I have to say, I was not familiar with any of it. I knew it was about a little girl, but I hadn't seen the movie. Uh, didn't know, the, the, I knew it was Roald Dahl, but I didn't know, uh, I wasn't familiar with it. So I went to see the play. And uh, I watched, after the, you know, at an intermission, I just went, yeah, okay, and I left. I didn't watch the second half, mm -hmm. which is not a good sign that it, there was no part of me that thought, well, that's a free ticket. I, they give you a free, that's a free seat for an hour at least. You can sit the whole time. Uh, it, that didn't, I just went home and I said, I called the guy up. And I said, sure, I'll do it. So, and I'd never replaced anybody in the cast before. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to the director and he said, look, the guy who's playing it now who I, I was either nominated or won the Tony. I don't, I don't recall which, but um, he, uh, he said, he's not really, he's not really doing exactly the way we envisioned the part being done. Uh, and for the, your listeners who aren't familiar with the story, Trunchbull, you know, Matilda's about a little girl who has getting sent away to a boarding school and Trunchbull is her nemesis. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a woman played by a man but it's a, a former Olympian hammer thrower who is now a stern, you know, sort of overlord principal of this or whatever, you know, of this, of this dark, scary school. She's sort of every child's living nightmare. And they, they, they cast the role as a man because they wanted just an overbearing Olympic sized hmm. person, you know? So the, the, the person that I was replacing was kind of thin and wispy and sort of, and sort of played it like this. And I found <laughs> it kind of creepy. You know, he was very, very, very talented guy, no doubt. Very, very talented. Uh, but he sort of had this, I, it didn't sound uh, the director said, we want you because uh, you are a big man. We don't want you to play a woman, even though you're playing a woman. This is already confusing, but <laughs> we just want you to play it as a man. Mm -hmm. You know, the our ideal would a young Ernest Borgnine, but 
we've got, you know, whatever. So, and, and, and to have him act just like, you know, like an Ernest Borgnin as a woman, a big, thick, uh, unapologetically masculine woman. <laughs> so I said, that sounds fun. Uh, and they, I said, why did the guy play it that way if you didn't want him to? And he said, well, halfway through the run, we realized, uh, or halfway through the previews, we, we went to him and said, we don't, we'd like you to kind of, just play it as a man you're sort of it sounds like you're trying to do a woman it's kind coming out kind of transsexual you know uh i don't know if i'm gonna get canceled for saying that can i say kind of you can say kind of okay uh so he's but and the actor said it's too late i've locked it in <laughs> which which i can sort of relate to you get used to doing something yeah. every night and uh, to switch even a tiny little thing can really throw you off and mm -hmm. be terrifying. People have no idea. So mm -hmm. I actually understood and was glad that they gave me this note from the start. Uh, then they put me into um, rigorous, uh, four weeks of uh, uh, rigorous training. Six days a week, uh, uh, I would meet with the, this, the, the person who's handling all the physical stuff. There were, there were two... Uh, musical numbers mm -hmm. and one had uh, the you when you meet the character she sort of talks about being this Olympic hammer thrower and then she goes into this dreamlike reverie and instead of the hammer she's has a, um, a ribbon and does this Olympic ribbon dance on stage mm -hmm. and it's funny because it's kind of I don't I don't know if you've ever seen like just like the way Jackie Gleason moves, he was so heavy and mm -hmm. so nimble on his feet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes. he really just moved beautifully. I'm trying to think of somebody today who I would compare that to just like a big guy who really just moves exquisitely. And that was, I think, a lot of what made Gleason so hilarious was, yeah. you know, the combination of the two. Uh, so that was clearly uh, that was a very fun number to do. Very difficult to learn because you had to learn an actual ribbon dance. Hmm. And I have a videotape of myself in a fat suit because they had this enormous fat suit built. So it's just me in a pair of shorts and a fat suit practicing this ribbon dance. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's hilarious because I'm actually doing a ribbon dance. I worked really, really hard on it. And that, that went well. And then the, the second number, now this was why I should have stayed and regret not okay. <laughs> seeing the second act because during the second act you see her being irascible with all of these children and her whole thing this charge pole's whole thing is discipline you need discipline and so anytime a child acts up she just you know she, it, her whole answer is you need discipline and she would make them do something horrible and this song called discipline is a pattern number uh, where she's just singing discipline, discipline, and there are all these rhymes, and and she, you know, it's uh, it, it's like very uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, you know, uh, these uh, complex rhymes. And while she's doing that, she's lifting the kids up by their ankles, throwing them down, <laughs> and climbs up on this central ladder piece while the kids are jumping, you know, oh, doing springs and blah 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 things they've been trained to do. And then midway through the number. Trunchbull comes, runs out, and then runs out of the wings and and does a flip over a horse, uh, not a you know actual horse, mm -hmm. but like you know one of those gymnastic horses. Yeah. But doesn't touch the horse, just does this a flip, and it looks very impressive from the stage. And I'm told it's one of the simpler gymnastic moves. 
I'm six, three and a half. So I'm essentially the human equivalent of farming machinery. <laughs> I've been told uh, six, three and a half is a tall man. Six, five, technically you qualify for monster. And, <laughs> and I have a friend, very funny friend, David Pressman, who said, you're, you're really just an inch and a half away from monster. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and it's true. I've got, you know, I'm an enormous man. So when I did music, man, I after I was told by Susan Stroman, we want you to wear the hat. It was one of the great calls I've ever received. Yeah. I put the phone down and you're in show business. So you understand in show business, you get exactly three and a half seconds to feel great. It's the moment <laughs> you're given a part, you've got three and a half seconds and then your brain takes over the part of your brain that fooled you into getting into show business and told you it was a good idea. It comes back like a like an mm -hmm. air strafe bombing mission and tells you <laughs> what do you think you're doing what business do you have doing any of this what do you you know yeah. and i realize i'm not a dancer this is i mean i've been listening to the show all my life uh i i know the music backwards and forwards but Susan Stroman is a choreographer. Yeah. She's this was her first directing piece, I believe. Oh no, her second or third directing piece. She was she had taken this over from her husband who had passed away a couple of months before. I mean, this is an impressive lady. She mm -hmm. she took a couple of months off to mourn her husband and then threw herself wow. into his project and wow. this was going to be her grand entree into Broadway. She selected me. I couldn't be more honored. Now, all of that took about a minute and a half or maybe an hour and a half for me to spout out. But it takes three seconds in my mind to experience that, oh, Susan Stroman chose me. I love this part to go to, they're going to kill me. <laughs> because Robert Preston did the part in 1959, and there's a reason they haven't done it on Broadway since then. Nobody else is allowed to do the part. God hates me and wants to kill me in front of a Broadway audience. The impudence. And, and who thinks to themselves but an actor actually thinks the, what thinks the word impudence? Uh, so uh, I was, we used to have a house out in Long Island, and I'm good friends. You know Richard Kind? Yes. Uh, the actor yes, Richard yes. Kind? He's, he's, you know, he's the hub of show business. Right. Uh, he was he was out at the house that weekend. At the time, I was I was dating Janine Garofalo, funny woman Janine Garofalo, mm. and they were both downstairs at this house with my mother having breakfast. When I got this call, I came downstairs, and I went, "Oh my God, I I got it!" And my mother went, oh, "We're going to the Tonys." <laughs> uh, now I, I love my mother. My mother is a, my mother is a superhero. She really is a superhero. I was raised by a single woman. That's who she is. My mother, same woman. She raised me. She's a superhero. Everything good in my life I can trace back to my mother. Now, having said that, what a remarkably horrific thing to have said. She didn't know. Right. She couldn't possibly realize it. But to have already placed me right. at the uh, at the Tonys. And I just had that three-second thought of they're going to kill me. <laughs> and not only are they going to kill me, I'm a going to disappoint my mother. Oh. <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm a Jewish son. So, I, of course, this is this, even that. That's death before death. <laughs> Disappointing your mother. Yeah. So it's, it was so funny. My mother said, we're going to the Tonys. And then you heard a slap. 
which was the sound of Janine's hand hitting her forehead. <laughs> and then Richard Kind just looked at me. And a month later, I said, do you remember my mother said that? Now, my mother loves Richard Kind, same, you know, Richard's one of those people, goes right to your mother. We, If we were at a party, she would say, may I take you? May I have this dance? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> just just the most charming mother's love, Richard Kind. Uh, <laughs> and so my mother's just just couldn't adore more. I said, Richard, do you remember that moment? She says, I, you know I love your mother, but... <laughs> I've never been so close to punching a woman out of a chair. <laughs> because the it really, really was. A, it, yeah. it really was just an amazing moment. Okay, so now I know we're going to, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to circle this back to Matilda okay. and the, the ridiculous thing that was said on the, well, no, the, the genuine right. uh, uh, curiosity of the internet, my public. Yes. <laughs> uh, all several, this, this, the one person in his underpants who asked the question. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so I, I do the music, man, and I realize that the only answer to any of this anxiety, because I called Susan Stroman up about 10 minutes later, I said, I need you to know that I don't dance. Not only that, I can't stand up real fast. Like, I'm <laughs> tall. She said, I auditioned you. I'm a choreographer. I watch the way you move. Every, there was no one who didn't audition for this. I chose you, and you need to trust me. And those, it was one of the great things that any, anybody's ever said. She said, in those, she said, A, you're going to be great. Mm -hmm. uh, and in those moments that you don't trust yourself, I need you to trust that I trust you. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's our deal. And I went, okay. And I thought, that's kind of a meaningless uh, bromide, but uh, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, God damn, if she wasn't right, there was about a week and a half, you know, towards the beginning where I just thought, what am I doing? <laughs> well, they were very smart. They assigned a choreographer to me so that when they went, we're on a five, that choreographer would appear out of the ether, take me by the, sh by the elbow and say, not you. And we'd go and <laughs> practice the steps. And then uh, I had a very, a, a very, very talented shrink. Some of your listeners might know because he's actually uh, got a movie on Netflix now called Stutz. This man, Phil Stutz, truly, truly brilliant man. And I went into him. He was my shrink at the time. I said, I can't do this. He's, and he talks like this. He goes, why not? I said, well, and everything I just said to you, he goes, yeah, well, listen, whatever you do, it's, it's actually not important whether you do it or not. What's important, and it's a, and if you do decide to do it, it's not important whether you succeed or fail. We don't care about that. We spit on that patooey. We spit on that. He Phil's Phil's one of those guys. He's uh, he's ha, has a very broad, mystical. He believes, and I do too, uh, that the universe is kind of mystically constructed. It's invisible. The parts of it that we can't see, which is most of it, is by design. I totally am with you. <laughs> yeah, so that we – well, this that's terrifying because I would have <laughs> lost – most relationships would have ended 10 minutes ago <laughs> in this curious conversation. <laughs> you know, anyway, so – but, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this was a very, very brilliant man, and, he, and this was his way of explaining. He said – now, part of this is, uh, you know, there's fate and there's destiny. And I can't quite remember what the difference between the two was. But, I mean, which one was which? But the difference between the two is one is fated to happen. So I mm -hmm. suppose that's fate or destined to happen. The other one is what you do when that moment comes 
Pardon me, yes. I'm having gas, which is my fate uh, <laughs> and yours too, apparently. So, uh, and so when when these moments come along, these these seminal moments, these watershed moments in your life come along, one of them is fate, which is you know it's it's you can't decide whether or not it's going to happen; it's predetermined. But what you decide to do with it mm-hmm. is either your destiny or your fate. I suppose fate is the one is that's what you decide to do with it, mm-hmm. because determine depending on how you handle your destiny will decide how you end up. Yes. Will you be happy? Will you but not be? Uh, and uh, will you will you succeed? Will you fail? And will you learn that the difference between success and failure? Uh, is a very thin line if the line even exists at all. What matters is when these, when the fate, that moment of destiny comes up, that you jump over it like a horse because that's what you're down here to do. Mm-hmm. If you do that, if you choose, you know, if you listen to your gut, you you follow your instincts, you do what you love in life, or even if you don't, you try to avoid doing what because you're afraid of it. What it there's no way off of your path. Absolutely mm-hmm. none. You know, if, if you're alive on this planet, you're going to be following a path. When these moments come, you jump over them and you may or may not experience a moment of happiness, that little cookie you get. Mm-hmm. And then it's back to the next moment, preparing for the next moment of, uh, of, of destiny that you're destined to experience. And then after that, you crawl across the finish line. This is all Phil Stutz. You crawl across the finish line with broken knuckles, no fingernails, and torn shirt, broken teeth, because that's the, that's life. Mm-hmm. It is ceaseless effort, and it sh- and the and the paradox is in expressing that effort. That's where joy actually comes from, and it's mm-hmm. not joy. Joy is childish inner peace is mm-hmm. grown up joy but the inner peace the fact that you can say i'm having a sad moment but i'm good with myself that's inner peace right yes and uh and this little did i know was his cagey way of teaching me bit by bit because a good shrink will never tell you do this don't do that yeah. a good marriage counselor will never say i don't see you guys together they're not <laughs> supposed to work like that yeah. they're teaching you how to work this amazing machine yeah. under your hair so that it's not a lawnmower, it's a rocket ship. And it a, a really good one is is going to play the long race. And this was a moment he recognized where I said, of, oh, everything I've ever wanted, I just got, and I don't think I should do it. That's what he was hearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he very brilliantly said, it really doesn't matter whether you do or don't. What I can promise you is if you don't, it will come around again. Not this show, maybe not a show. But this moment will come around again with greater momentum and much larger teeth. And you'll still have to jump over that thing like a horse. It's, mm-hmm. This is your destiny. I said, okay, that makes sense academically. How do I survive this? He mm-hmm. said, there's no pill. There's no drink. There's no mantra. There is submission to work. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what are you? So I had three months, which is a very strange thing in show business to get a job and then have three months. Yeah. But I did. I had three months, and I thought, well, that I, that's three months to just sit in my apartment and shiver. 
you know, uh, shiver, pre-shiva shivering, you know, and uh, and uh, he said, oh, so you got three months. So what are you going to do when you leave this office? And I looked at him. I said, I'm going to call a dance instructor. He said, you're goddamn right you are. <laughs> and I did. And for three months, I drove to the uh, Debbie Reynolds Dance Studio in the Valley. Mm-hmm. And I danced with a wonderful teacher. I can't remember her name, but she was the perfect person because she was so sweet and kind. And a class filled with housewives. All of whom, and and every, if I hear the song uh, Mambo Number no. Five one more time, I will go out and serial kill. I won't. You won't be able to stop me, because every night I would drive it there and I would go listen to Mambo Number no. Five, and do this very simple dance step that all these housewives could do and I couldn't get. And I thought they're not going to play the part that nobody should play on Broadway. I'm the guy doing that, and I can't keep up with the housewives. The level to which I'm going to be killed is, is inconceivable. And then I had this. I, I, the women would leave, and I'd cry in the arms of this teacher who knew you know, uh, where I was going. Well, it was the smartest thing I ever did because you hang in there for three months and if you pay attention, you're going to get at least a little better. So Mm -hmm. by the time I showed up in New York, I was able to uh, take instruction and, uh, you know, with help from this other dance teacher. uh, I I also took tap dance lessons. I worked really hard at it because she wanted me to tap dance during one of the numbers. And she said, let's show me some of your tap when I got to New York. And I did. I was very proud. She goes, yeah, maybe not tap, but let me show some of the, you know, because uh, if you can imagine it, it was like, if you've ever seen the Transformers, if there was a tap number in the Transformers, that's sort of what it looked like. As, as light on his feet as that Transformer might be, it's just not something anybody ever needs to see. So the tap wasn't going to happen, but I had incrementally, perhaps imperceptibly to anybody else, but in my own mind and in my own body began to feel what it was to, to I didn't even know that dances were built around a count of eight. I didn't even understand there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two. Mm-hmm. So that on on the first three, the first two threes you do a thing, and then on the third five you do I didn't even know that you there was actually a diagram for dancing. I just thought there are these incredible people who know how to do a thing. Like when you see a magician, you're like, yes, some people have quarters in their ears. Like, that, you know, <laughs> uh, I, so I, I began to break down the, the, the trick of it and I worked my ass off. And until the end, I mean, there were a couple of moments that were real dancey. They wouldn't be challenging for a real dancer. But for me, I worked really, really hard. And I did say to Susan Stroman, I said, I think you should change the poster, Mr. Bierko's choreography suggested by Susan Stroman, because I really would, there was one thing every night that I, I approximated. I started where she wanted me to start and I finished where she needed me to start, but whatever the hell happened in the middle was just uh, anybody's guess. But I was comfortable enough and was blessed enough to have uh, Rebecca Luker, uh, the great uh, late Rebecca Luker as uh, uh, my Marion, who uh, led all of the dances. That's kind of the big joke on Broadway. The straight men uh, do not lead when they dance with the women. The, the women are leading. 
And that's what, and if you ever, there should be a book of just leading women's feet, which are <laughs> mangled beyond reason. Yes. What I did to her feet, my God bless her. But she led the dance um, and, uh, and she was very gracious with the performance. So when I looked at Matilda and then there was this, you know, oh, we want you to do some gymnastic stuff. I just thought, oh, it's a matter of practice. That's <laughs> all. I've done this one before. <laughs> well, for a month, I went and I met with this gymnastics instructor on this uh, flip. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, my performance was coming up. My month was coming up. I had gotten in shape. They worked me really, really hard. I got all my numbers down. I was, I was comfortable, and I'd never work. I'd never replaced anybody. You don't work with other actors. There's a guy with a clipboard going, "Go to seven, and then go to nine. No, you see, you go around the desk. That's right. Upstate. There you go. And then look at the child. The child will look at you, and then you look at the. It's literally that awful. And uh, was making it through that month, and I was about to make my little debut when at the gym i i was really struggling with this flip and i was scared and the, and the guy who was training me was an olympic coach and he said you know you're scared you need to just trust that you can do it because you have to you can't use your hands to spring off you just have to flip and it's very scary uh so i did it and i landed on my neck and um oh. he came running over to me i felt uh, what you should never feel in your body, which yeah. was an electric voltage, like 800 volts oh shooting my through my body. And I thought, that's it. I can play Franklin Roosevelt and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, he actually, it was, he said it was bad enough that he actually thought that I'd paralyzed myself. He wow. thought I'd broken my neck. But within minutes, I got up, I was fine. Hmm. Uh, they said, take another couple of weeks and, and, the thing they did, they did a couple of things. Uh, because I did do the show uh, uh, for a while, but I needed another two weeks to sort of work off my injury. And also it was a raked stage, which means that it's tilted, hmm. you know, s s towards the audience. It was quite steep. Uh, and when you do a show, where there's, if you do a show on a on a on a, a stage that's raked, the, you know, oftentimes when you see a show, the shoes have been built to that actor's feet. There's a guy in New York who builds everybody's shoes, and I realized my shoes were like from Fava, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, so I'm doing, I, I'm rehearsing, and uh, and I've I've injured my my toe. And as I feel it right now, now this was, God, what year was it? You could, Maybe you could tell me if you look it up. But whatever year Matilda, I was in Matilda, which has to be close to 10, 10 or so years ago, uh, I whatever that, that joint is between your big toe and the rest of your foot, mm -hmm. um, uh, something happened there. I went to the doctor, and he said, yeah, something happened there. I've looked at the pictures, the x-rays, and something's happened there. So, you know, just be careful. Well, they had me in these like regular street shoes on a raked stage. So that wow. kept exacerbating the injury. Yeah. And until I healed, so it was time for me to make my de debut. So until I healed, they did this thing. It was a clever trick. It was kind of Carol Burnett showy, but it got a big laugh every night. Instead of me doing the flip at the end of it, in the, the middle of the number, I'd run off stage as if I was, you know, going off to get my momentum. And another actor, 
one of the dancers dresses me, would do the flip really impressively, run off the other side of the stage. You'd see another actor run f behind <laughs> dressed as me, and then I would walk back on stage as if I'd done it completely exhausted. And it was so obvious that it wasn't me that it got a huge laugh because I was playing it up like, <laughs> and then I just hit this, this big woman, I hit this sort of, uh, um, uh, what's her, Judy Garland pose, Eliza Minnelli pose with the hand under the chin, finish the numbers, like kind of a sweet little ballad about discipline. And it worked beautifully. Wow. And I said, hey, listen, that works so well uh, why don't we just keep it that way? And they said, well, we'd have to pay the other actors $800 a week to do that. So that's why we don't want to do that. And I said, but I almost broke my neck doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, do you want to pay $8 billion? Because yeah, that's right. what I would charge for a neck. You know, that's the going <laughs> rate for my neck. And uh, they said, oh, that's, oh, don't worry, blah, 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 producer, producer. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I wasn't going, I wasn't going to do it. I, I had a new girlfriend at the time who was really, really tough. And she said, and I, what ended up happening, there was one night uh, during that pattern number, I, I tripped over a couple of words. And it was the first time it had happened. And it just so happened that it, it threw a couple of the kids off because the kids, the kids in the show were like Westworld robots. You know, <laughs> you, if you inverted a line, they would just stare at you. They would, boot, they would, you know, until you corrected it, and then they would boot back up again. It was terrifying, and you realize I'm not on stage with humans. It was terrifying. Uh, so there was that. So, and I'm, I'm like I said, a really, really big guy, and with this foam suit, I just looked like a Mack truck in a dress, and it was hilarious. But it meant that the kids had to adjust because the guy previous was kind of scrawny. So I took up much more space and, you know, I would have to brush past these kids, but they were robots mm -hmm. and they didn't understand that they had to move. They, for some reason, the direction that they received overwhelmed their sense of physics. So they saw this giant thing coming at them. They thought, Oh, I'll pass right through it. It's not a problem. So I would constantly knocking into these kids because they wouldn't get out of the way. Now, the secret of that show was, first of all, I have to say, and in all fairness, and I know you're not supposed to do this, not the biggest fan of the show. I just didn't think it was much of a show. Uh, so that's not good, and that's bad on me because I should not have accepted that role. Mm -hmm. I should have watched the second act. I should have gone have a cup of coffee and said, how nice to get an offer. It didn't move me. I'm not going to take the show. Mm -hmm. Instead, I went home and went, job, job, mm -hmm. and I took the show. And that was wrong with me. So I really can't put this on anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I knocked, you know, I knocked into one of the kids and there was some meeting between the parents about the new Trunchbull. And I, I, I was in previews. I was about a week away from really having the performance where I wanted it to be. Uh, and I was invited not to come back. Whoa. And the reason being my injury. Mm. You know, I had this injured toe. I was still working my neck out. Uh, and I and I had said I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do that flip, so you can keep the two guys, or there can just be an awkward moment on stage where I just kind of wait by the hobby horse mm -hmm. for the music to come around again because I'm not doing the flip, mm -hmm. and that was you know so I wasn't going to do it anyway, 
uh, I think for legal reasons, it was easier for them to say the parents are nervous about the mm. kids. And meanwhile, I was like, you do understand, they're nervous about the kids. You do realize with sweaty hands, I've been choreographed to pick up one of these ch children by their ankles oh and dangle them over the stage wow. with sweaty hands. If he slips through my hands, which could easily happen to yeah. anybody, that kid's going to break his neck. Right. But they're nervous about a big foam Muppet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the fact that their kids cannot get out of the way, first of all, that's fine. I don't need to come back. And I'm not angry mm -hmm. uh, because I'm, I wasn't going to do the stunt anyway. And also my argument for not doing the stunt was at the beginning, doing the that, that, that ribbon dance made sense because that was reverie. That was happening in her mind. Yeah. She was alone in her office and remembering. But doing this flip was happening in real time. And so it's 30 years after she's been in the Olympics. She's an older, big, fat woman. She couldn't do what she used to do. That's part of the tragedy of her character and why she's a villain is she's jealous of this girl, Matilda, who has her whole life ahead of her. So she shouldn't yeah. be a teacher. You know, she's a jealous person. A person who's jealous of children's future shouldn't be a teacher. That's the whole idea of the character because those people really exist. And I believe that's what Roald Dahl wrote was – a horrible woman who envied the child that she was supposed to be loving and teaching and passing on her knowledge. You know, I said, so her do executing this flip, it doesn't make any sense, but it, you know, I, I don't know why it's there. They said, well, the audience loves it. And I said, okay, but the audience loves clown cars too. It doesn't make it theater. This is a show that's supposed to make sense. That was my whole argument. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, it, you know, I knew that it wasn't going to, uh, to be changed because there were now, this was no longer just a successful show. This was an enterprise. They had productions in Hong Kong and Greece and yeah. Mars, you know, I mean, so they weren't going to change it because some guy, you know, said I'm not comfortable, but yeah. So it was somewhere between, for me, it was, I think it could have I would have loved to have done, I would have loved to have continued working, even if I've done shows that I, I don't love before, but the part was fun. Uh, it's, I love playing villains and overbearing yeah. villains like that. Um, and I love being around kids, but I didn't love being around the kids' parents. There's nothing worse than show business parents, nothing. Yeah. The pandemic doesn't come close to being around a show business <laughs> parent. Uh, you know, so, uh, uh, I, I just uh, it, it was a difference of opinion and I just thought it's going to be, I said if you pay me, as long as they pay me I told my agent if they pay me a lot of money they can say whatever they want and I <laughs> you know and I waited long enough time to not question anything or say anything about it and I don't read press about myself anyway so I whatever anybody thinks is fine uh, I know what happened, and that was basically it. I, I wasn't going to do something that they felt I should do. And the next actor did it happily, brilliantly. Um, and and actors, I'm sure it's running everywhere in the world still, will continue to do it until the end of time and then beyond. Yeah. They'll continue to jump over this thing, even though it doesn't make any sense. But that's what happened. I got injured. I still, I'm feeling my foot right now, and it's as though it happened yesterday. Wow. I can't, I, you know, I, I've i gone to a podiatrist. I have to find another one uh, and do something. But, you know, right now what I do is I wear a wide sneaker, 
but um, if you know, I there's certain exercises I can't do because it hurts my toes, blah blah blah. And my bad. Thank God. The great thing is I didn't break my neck. Yeah. And okay. uh, and you know, for a month I got to play this role with this really lovely cast. Um, and it was a very strange way to leave a show. And uh, but I have to at the end of the day. I'd say none of it would have happened had I done what anyone was. Jesus Christ! If I've just been how how many days of it has it taken me to answer this question? Very simple question. And I'm like, you ask like somebody online wants to know what happened to Craig Bierk. When I'm like, well, Abraham Lincoln started as a young man in Illinois. He wanted to be a lawyer. You know, he tried to get into Congress, you know, eleven times. But what am I talking about? I, I know um, I won't be able to get to all of my questions now. I but... don't know that you're going to be able to get past the first. I'll keep the rest of them brief. I promise. Uh, this okay. was this was a bit of a bee in my body. But it's an interesting story. Time. It's it's yeah. actually quite fascinating. And we do have to do an ad. So um, we're just going to take a really quick break, and we'll be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families, I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Aaron Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Okay, well, I just have to say really quick. I mean, I'm certainly, I was never in show business to the degree that you are. I used to be an actor. I was on Days of Our Lives for seven years, but it was a very small part. But one of the things that I did when I, it was back in the 90s, and I, at the time, everyone always told me I looked just like Sybil Shepherd. I heard that fucking constantly. So I get that um, too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. And uh, <laughs> so I was called to be a stand-in for her in a Mercedes commercial. Oh, and wow. what they wanted me to do, and it's funny because I found I found this commercial online. I had never seen it. I think I might have seen it on television once. But anyway, <laughs> I had to run down stairs that were inside a parking structure. But they made it rain, and I had two kids, so I couldn't even hold on to the banister. I had to hold on, hold the children, and I was running down wet stairs quickly. That was that was really, you know, and, and like you know, I was just a stand-in, and I really should have just gone home. But like you, no, you need the money, and also when you're in show business, you just figure this is what they do. Yeah. Just, I have to do this is what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't yeah, know exactly. You don't know. But yeah. okay, I have to just ask you. Um, as I mentioned, my boyfriend and I fucking obsessed with Sex and the City. We're obsessed. And so um, we just watched it through again. And oh, you see the whole series? Yeah. I mean, we, we've, <laughs> done, we've watched it many, many, many times. Oh, and now so we're going yeah. through the second and just like that. Um, uh-huh. So we've watched the movies. I, I don't like the second movie, though. The second movie was not my favorite. But, okay, so your, um, your shot. First, I just want to ask you – because I'm an obsessive fan, what yeah. was it like? What was that experience like? It was perfect. I, and few things are, you know, in show business, as you know, it, there's always a version of you holding two babies running down wet stairs. There's always, <laughs> that's always going to happen. One way or another, they're going to have, you're going to be running down wet stairs holding babies, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, 
I was actually doing the Music Man when uh, they brought me into the office and they were very kind. They were like, it's not going to be an audition. They just you know Sarah wants to meet you. Sarah Kajestin wants to meet you. And we met and got along. And they said, yes, I did these two episodes. Um, and uh, I, I, it was such a lovely experience. First of all, I loved the idea of this character who had ADD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never seen it and haven't seen it since on tv uh, it, it's it's such an interesting thing i will i will i'm very open about this I, I have it myself and it's a perplexing thing that most people don't understand hmm. uh usually and i'm i'm a rare exception people who have it are uncommonly bright i'm i'm that rare i think i'm <laughs> i'm the control i'm the control in that uh, experiment but uh I think what it is is, you know, too many parts of your brain are lighting up at the same time. It's yeah. like being in, the, in a uh, big control room, right? Wow. And uh, and all the monitors are on, and you're supposed to be having a conversation with the second one at the left, but all of the other ones are blaring too. So, it isn't. It has nothing to do with forgetfulness or anything like that. Um, and I had, I actually, the reason I knew I had it was I, I, I thought that I might because I grew up in a very good school system. All of my friends were very bright. My closest friends were very bright. They all went to Ivy League schools because they got straight A's and they had to like invent grades for me. I got like an M plus, you know, I, you know, I think at one point they just gave me a number, you know, uh, colors, they were down to colors. He's olive green. We don't know what he's even, but I, and I would say, I I don't think this guy sitting next to me is very bright, but uh, he's getting A's and B's. And I, they have to invent grades for me. Right. I never got held back. Uh, I was always able to survive, but I honestly don't have a single memory of ever facing a blackboard. You know, my mind was just shooting all over the place. Uh, I went to a really, really great school system in Rybrook, New York. Uh, this kind of place doesn't exist anymore. So they had teachers who would communicate with with each other like i was in algebra and i was such a bad math student i think i raised my hand and said i got a question about algebra when are you going to tell us what the capital of algebra is i can't find it on a map you know that's how lost i was in math so the but i went to a school system where the math teacher went to the english teacher and i excelled in English because it was of interest to me, you know, if we were reading a book, like we were That's reading exactly Maya. me, what you're just, desc- I mean, I don't have ADD, but the exact same experience I had exact. So I just have to, well, throw that's that what in, my, in the second grade. And my mom has since told me that she got a note from my second grade teacher, Mrs. Winston saying, listen, you may be alarmed by some of Craig grades, which, you know, technically aren't even really grades. They're just, uh, (laughs) you know, we're making little indentations on his card (laughs) to let you know he's been there. But we, you know, uh, but this is the thing about Craig. If he isn't interested, no one is going to interest him. If he is interested, no one's going to be able to keep up with him, including Mm me. Mm -hmm. That that's what she said. And my mother said, I never told you that because you don't tell a child Mm -hmm. that it's a lot of information, but I wasn't worried. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I just lived with this anomaly of like, what the hell's going on? Can I think, am I nuts? Because I think I'm smarter than this person, but they're clearly going to college and I don't think I can't, I I'm I'm struggling with lunch. Yeah. (laughs) I'm struggling with lunch. And so, uh, 
I was very fortunate to go through that system. I, I, I finally went uh, several years ago. Uh, well, actually, more than several years ago. Um, and I, I met with this guy who's supposed to be a specialist in, with ADD. And I, I said, listen, I think I think I have ADD. I don't know. I, I'd like to get an opinion. I'm, I'm going to get he, a couple of opinions. And he said, well, how, tell me, where, where do you live in the city? Oh, I live down in the... Uh, in the West Village. And uh, we talked for a minute like that. He goes, okay, so what was your question again? I said, well, I want to know if I have ADD. Do you take a test? I had a friend who took a big, long test. He goes, no, no, you don't have to take a test. You have one of the most profound cases I think I've ever seen. Wow. Now, this is this this guy is a big gun at Columbia. He's still uh, a friend of mine. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I really like him a lot. A terrific guy. So you've got one of the one of the more profound cases I think I've seen. He said it very calmly. And I said, mm. now, how can you t first of all, I don't want to use the I don't I don't throw the word quack around. But you just asked me, you don't know anything about me. He goes, he goes, no, 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 I'm I'm a scientist. I'm not really, a, you know, you know, they're psychiatrists. I'm a bit more of like a scientist. So I'm listening to the. I asked you those questions because I wanted to listen to the way that you speak people think and it, they're misguided people think add is all about you know forgetfulness uh, uh, even what i just explained all those monitors at the same time we can we understand enough about it that there is a chemical you know there is a there are certain synapses that don't fire uh, the same way or th as most people's mm -hmm. and that can result in a sort of halt, a very specific halting manner of speech. He said, has anybody ever compared the way you speak to another person that might be famous that I would know? And I, I said, I'm always told that I remind people of this person. I'm not going to name the person because I, they may or may not have ADD mm -hmm. and that's their, business to disclose but i mentioned this person i said i always get this he said yeah that's i i i would stake my reputation on that person because he knew the he recognized mm -hmm. the speech pattern mm -hmm. which is iconic and part of you know he's often imitated and what people are imitating is this kind of uh halting uh way of uh, uh talking and then all of a sudden a rush of stuff you may right. have you may have heard it you may have heard it already um it's very much a part of the way that i talk it's so funny that it while i was going to high school this was how great my high school was and how comfortable they made me feel despite at that point me thinking maybe i was born with an extra lung and don't even have a brain <laughs> you know maybe i just have a head lung uh i i remember where i was in school when i when i realized no, I've got all these teachers who are assuring me that one of them said, you're a poet, you're a, you are, you know, you see things differently. You, the way you love comedy is the way we'd prefer that you love math because that's what we're paid to do. But don't think we don't see that and that your dedication to the principles of figuring out you know, what you're doing is you are school and you are at school and you're applying a lot of the principles we're teaching to things that are going to you're going to be able to craft into a career. We're not worried about you. That, that's the kind of school that I went to. Hmm. 
Uh, and I'm still friends with a lot of these teachers, and uh, they had been able to since explain to me exactly what they meant because a bunch of them would meet and talk about a specific student. It was interesting to them. They were great educators. Wow. And we, uh, I think they're the last of a dying breed, unfortunately. We don't yeah, pay people so. enough to do that and take so. the, pay that kind of attention. So when I got to play that character, I already understood uh, what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't yet met somebody who is the reason I'm talking so openly about this. Uh, a year after I played that role, uh, I, I was my agent called and said, would you like to meet Carrie Fisher? And I said, boy, wow. howdy, would I? Yeah. Um, said, well, and they knew that I wrote a little bit. They said, we just think you two in a room would be, we just want to see what you come up with. I said, well, I'm doing, by that point I was doing another play. And I had to sing, and I said, I can meet her for a half an hour, but you know the voice, <clears throat> the voice, I can't meet. Well, I, I met her, and from the moment we met, um, I didn't see Princess Leia. I didn't see even the, this Carrie Fisher that I'd come to love, because mm -hmm. I read Postcards from the Edge, and I loved yes. her so much. Yeah. We sat there for three hours, and we mm -hmm. just talked about uh, the way our minds worked and how funny life was. Uh, and made a plan to meet up again in Los Angeles. I was about to go do a series, and I stayed in her guest house for about three months. And then we just became really, really close friends. I really just, I couldn't miss anybody more. Um, wow. She was a great champion. She was like almost an extension of, of the school that I went to with my writing, she read a script and said, you know, you're a writer dreaming, you're an actor, right? And I said, yeah, that's the way I've always felt. She said, me too. I did Star Wars and I realized as big as this gets, it's going to be young moms, older yeah. moms, and then diaper commercials. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write. She wrote postcards and she became a writer. She said, I, I, I don't often do this, but I recommend you stick with the writing, keep acting, but uh, don't let this go. Never forgot that. And I was always impressed with the fact that even from that very first conversation, you know, I didn't bring up, I, I may have mentioned that I love postcards, but I would never bring up I love how open you are about how nuts you are. <laughs> she actually said, um, I love writing about how uh, nuts I am. <laughs> and um, the, the challenge is, and we were already deep into the conversation of just writing. So this, this, it made more sense. And I'm making it sound like it wasn't, uh, you know, out of the blue. And I, and she said, um, I, I, I love trying to craft you know, because she was great with one-liners. She was mm -hmm. a great novelist, but I, I loved the thing that drew me to postcards was I think one of the first lines of it was she she plays a you know an actress and she shows up in Beirut to uh, to play a role in in, uh, in somewhere in Beirut and the first line is I walked out of the van and I I thought thank God the outsides finally match the insides <laughs> yeah. I thought my God that was one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard I, and I think of the things that she said not only in her books but things I heard her say and we just made each other laugh yeah and I moved in and the other thing about her is I moved in and she said do you want to hear can I read you the first chapter of my next book it's the sequel to postcards I went yeah mm -hmm. so she sat there and all of a sudden I show up <laughs> and I I I don't know if you know Beverly D'Angelo but yes. Beverly D'Angelo the first her best friend 
in Postcards from the Edge was based on Beverly D'Angelo, yes. who was secretly just as funny as Carrie was. Yes. You know, uh, a tremendous, and I highly recommend you interview her for the show because she <laughs> is balls out hilarious. One of the funniest people I've ever met. Um, uh, and she was, she, I was, I had moved into the guest house. I was accessible. We got along. So I was now being written into the book. The only difference wow. was she didn't call the other character, mm -hmm. Beverly D'Angelo. She, and she was calling this character, Greg Pierco. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious and nothing that happens in the book, you know, actually happened because mm -hmm. it was all about her, you know, yeah. uh, have, she has like a, a psychic break, drives down to Tijuana and I go and rescue her. Uh, and I, I said, that doesn't, you know what? I, I, I really, really, really love the idea of wandering through someone's novel. I've never heard of that before, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm going to ask you to change the last name, which she did. So it's still oh. a character named Craig right. and it's still a vivid and very lovely. Uh, her description of me, it, the book is called the best awful. And uh, her description of me uh, as I, enter the house the way I always did. I lived in the guest house. So I'd walk into the house breezing in. Uh, her description, it, I hold it so close to my heart, not because it's so, um, it's so, it's, it's lovely and complimentary and all that kind of stuff, but because it is her mind. Like I get to just be in her mind. And it's like sitting in a chair that's actually not there anymore. And I miss her so oh. much. And I talk to her all the time, yeah. you know, not out loud, but I, I, I love the way that she thought and her advice about show business and traversing show business and who to take seriously, who not to take seriously um, is very much part of my DNA now. Um, and I met so many wonderful people through her because her house was like a Moss Hart play. Every, you know, Harpo Marx would be roller skating down the hallway. <laughs> you never knew who you were going to see. And oh, wow. I just, it was a delightful, wonderful part of, uh, of my life. So, it, and I would go to um, events with her all the time. She was constantly getting trophies from, you know, for mental health, her advocacy. Right. And so she would get up stage, on stage and say, you know, most actors my age, you know, if they're in this position, they're accepting an Oscar. And mm -hmm. really what I do is I write, uh, I'm raising my child. I like to eat, and I also like to accept award, accepting awards for being nuts. <laughs> and I would watch her turn an entire hotel function room filled with people with emotional problems and the people who attend to them and relax them and most importantly, empower people who have been carrying this weight. And I thought, I, that's something I'm going to keep. Hmm. You know, aside from all this other advice. So whenever anybody, if there's a conversation about ADD and it's appropriate, I am I, not only happy to address it, I'm eager to, because anybody who has it, it's very, it is, if you don't handle it well, if you don't understand it, it can be devastating. Right. If, I, if you're going to have a mental illness, I highly recommend you, you check off ADD because the, the first three days are absolutely delightful. You get, you get, it's like getting free cable all over the world. You get to watch any channel you want. You get to listen to boring people. You, I know how to, I learned very early in my life how to listen to somebody in such a way that they wouldn't dare say, are you listening? 
but I'm nowhere near the conversation, right. and all I'm doing is watching cable somewhere else in my mind. <laughs> but if you don't discipline yourself, if you don't, some people have to medicate themselves, and there's some very good medications out there, and there are people who have opinions about medications, and they don't realize, yeah, see, the reason you have an opinion about it is because if you took it, you'd be Spider-Man. Even though you couldn't <laughs> climb up a wall, you would be able to. Yeah. I take it, and it's like opening a window, and I can think as clearly as you can for about 20 minutes. And if I don't jump through that window of thinking clearly, it wears off, and I've got ADD again. So it's wow. not – there are no easy answers. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it is discipline, which is the opposite of ADD. By the way, ADD mm -hmm. is just the most evil thing to name <laughs> – <laughs> this particular <laughs> mental condition. Uh, somebody at the room should have said, you know what, let's just avoid anything that has anything to do with math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe scatter cancer. I, I prefer scatter cancer. Uh, anyway. Well, um, I, I just have to throw in if um, I would love to interview Beverly D'Angelo, and it's funny. Oh, that because... well, I will make that happen. Oh my uh, God, I love I, her. absolutely. She's she is love. I know right now she's. In fact, she she just was called. She was just calling as we were talking. Really? I don't know if you heard wow. the interruption. No. Uh, she's up in San Francisco. She's making a movie, and she's. I've never seen her work like this, but she's not talking to anybody because she wants to immerse herself right. in this world she's playing somebody homeless so she's wow. either that or she's just hit a part of her career and she's not telling me about it <laughs> but she's playing a homeless person and she's uh living in uh, kind of not isolation but just with the crew right. and she's not she said she's called her friends and said just i'm going to disappear for a month because i need to make this movie and Wow, you know. that's awesome. Well, you know, uh, yeah, she, so she she's was... calling me. I'm, I'm guessing the movie is, is over. So wow. I can't wait to hear about it. And I will tell her to. That, well, you know, yes, that... you have to also tell her that I know um, Jamie. Do you know who Jamie James is? He's a singer, musician. No, but that's an easy name to remember. I know it is. Well, he was friends with Harry Dean Stanton. And I know, like, you, oh. can, you can find online there is a video of all three of them um okay. and it's awesome i and i harry is so cool i i jamie james is now i think he's now working with dennis quaid in the i think it's dennis quaid in the sharks or something like that he oh. has a band oh yeah oh yeah that's his right that's his group right? right and so jamie is his guitar guy and, oh, um, that's great. and okay, I well, kind of dated him back in the 90s. But anyway, so we, we, we've we kind of remained friends over all well, these chances years. Well, chances are Beverly has, to, has too. I think I'm the only, uh, myself and my mother, maybe the only two people who have never dated uh, Beverly. That sounds horrible. <laughs> but because uh, she's, she's anything but a, a, a slut. But she's she's so, <laughs> what she is is so freaking hilarious. And, and I love book. her. Yeah, you'll I love, love her. her. I'll, I'll make that happen. I have That would be wonderful. I love her. Um, but okay, well, I'm very happy to hear what you said. I want to get back. You you were talking about uh, Sex in the City. The, the major oh, joy right. of that was being able to uh, explore this part of myself. And I was glad that, you know, uh, seren by serendipity, they, they chose me yeah. to play somebody with ADD. <laughs> and my take on it was I just uh, I want to really I don't want to parody it. Yeah. Because really what it is, it's like anything else. You you have to work very hard to look like somebody who doesn't have it, mm -hmm. but it's you can't. It's impossible. So the only way to sanity is to accept it 
And except that if you deal with it well, it's actually kind of fun at times. There's yeah. there's stuff that's not bad about it. There's a creative uh, aspect to it, which is it's a secret sixth gear. You know, yeah. if you if you if you know how to if you're disciplined and you know yeah. when to get in and get out. Um, you know that it's there's you, it's almost like having a, a turbo boost or something. Uh, <laughs> it's not something I don't think any mental illness is is should be shamed, right. but uh, there are some that are, are preferable and right. should be the one yes. that I would recommend. And there might be some benefits. Ever. Yes, exactly. Well, I have a question, a quick question, and it's just stupid, but I just it's just a little trivia thing. And didn't did you just say that you didn't you haven't seen? yourself in that uh in those two shows did you watch them or has it been a long time i did watch them when they first came okay. out because uh you know my mother would handcuff me to something <laughs> uh, but i no longer do that like i'm doing a show that's on now called sex life uh stacy ruckheiser's show it's on netflix and it's like the number two show or something like that awesome. really hot it's like a great it's a really terrific show she was one of the executive producers on unreal i just love her she's she and she wrote this part for me um and i and i'm in like uh four of episodes that's the thing about tv nowadays is a season will be six episodes long yeah i'm in like four out of six and then I, they brought me up to Toronto for like two days. I shot a season wow. in two days because I'm just in one office with one of the characters. But I haven't seen the show. We'll likely not see the show. Okay. Well, then- and it isn't because I'm not a fan. I I, I love Stacy, and I loved the girl that I, I I worked with. Her name was Marguerite, and I'm I'm blanking on her last name, but who was wonderful, and um, it was really fun to do. But I've learned that, you know, the, for me, the experience of doing it is what I really, really enjoy. And watching it, I sit there and go, and you pick yeah, it I didn't realize I had seven chins or whatever it is. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's the hard part. It's it is. It, it's fun to do it. I've had that same experience, even just listening to myself on the podcast. It's like, uh, uh. but OK, wait, I wouldn't ask you this. Is Like I said, it's a dumb question. So I'm okay. already setting this oh, up. I as thought, a I thought you were already asking. No, 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 okay. no, no. It's a trivia question about one of the scenes. You, well, two of the scenes you were in. Okay. And, and I'm asking you this for a reason, because. Uh, my as I said, you know, my boyfriend. Your he boyfriend. Has, he has you want his to win own an argument. He, no, okay. he ha, we, he's got a podcast, and so I suggested to him that we could ask each other questions, make up our own questions about Sex in the City, a trivia questions. Oh, that's funny. And so now he had a yeah. trivia question for me about you, but I'm going to and so I got, I'm being and I got it right. Being on his, he doesn't want me on his podcast. <laughs> no, so I'm sure he really would love that for you to be on his podcast. You're um, pod laying. You're pod laying. Okay. okay. But so my question is, and I got it right. So I want to see if you can get it right, except I'm adding something to it. So do okay. you remember the two foods that you mentioned and also ate? One you mentioned, one you ate on the show. Oh, well, was the first one at the sushi plate that big? Yes. There was one that there was a dinner yes. scene. I don't know. I don't remember. I do remember the bourbon, but I don't know that that's a food group. No, it's not. It's... Uh, and I don't know that vaginas are a food group either, but I know that food. That <laughs> I know was, you certainly. That was the food that I... Carrie yeah. enjoyed herself uh, with you. Yes, she did. Uh, no, so it was yes. Mikrob. It was Mikrob. You got the Mikrob. Oh, that's okay. And then when yes. she came over to your apartment, and it, I think it was the last time when you fully went into your ADD mood right. and you, you were talking about cream corn. <laughs> well, cream corn and skeet shooting. I don't yes. understand why they don't have skeet shooting yes. in the city, which I just let that alone. is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then I asked them, they said, um, 
it was a very just such a fun experience we, you know we have our explosive sex and then i ask her if she wants something to drink and then i kind of go off and the yes. last shot that you see of me is me playing the banjo naked and i asked that i think originally it was me playing the guitar not even doing anything musical yeah yeah, I told them I played the banjo, so I asked them if I could play the banjo. Naked. That's awesome. So we set that up. Yeah, and uh, I loved every minute of it. As a matter of fact, when I heard about the new series, uh, I asked my agent to uh, call Patrick King because uh-huh. I had had an idea when the movies came out. I and this was not. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to get myself involved on any other layer, but this. I thought this would only work as a quick cameo, but. Uh, and it, but I haven't, you know, I never heard back, and they probably thought, oh, he's trying to work himself in. And I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as big a fan as you are. Uh, I, I. But I thought I. People love when these. They. I yeah. really do get a lot. People still. I get, and I love it because it means I still resemble that guy um, uh, enough that people ask me about the character. Yeah. And so I, I. I just thought it would be my idea for a cameo which was kind of, it was sort of a visual joke. I wanted to pitch, but I never heard back from them. But I did try. Uh, and the other thing is, I loved playing the character so much. I don't think I would ever really get the rights, but but um, right. I'm working on something that is, because I've never seen it, you know, uh, where the main character is somebody who's dealing with that. I wrote it originally as a play, and it's something I want to develop further. Because I, uh, it is, it's not like I want to, I need to, be an ad people need to understand i just always found it i think it's so interesting and so misunderstood and there's so many different aspects to it and it affects your life in so many different ways Uh, creatively it can be very explosive and positive but it can also if you if you don't take care of yourself can lead to you know depression and uh, all kinds of stuff um did that answer your well i guess who wins your boyfriend or you because i don't remember (laughs) anything except bourbon and vaginas i win i win no no because he well he already knew the question because he asked it but we we had the sex in the city trivia quiz and i won so okay Uh, but he's watched it maybe not almost as much as i have because you know i mean i'm 54 years old so i started watching i didn't start exactly when it first aired but I yeah. kind of came into it. I think it. I think I watched it on TV on cable the fourth season. Um, but I mean, it, it's become. I used to call it my my girl woman Bible whatever. And it's funny because as I age now, I criticize all of the characters. I still love them, but I criticize them because I see them behaving in certain ways, and then I get all like you know analytical and critical. Um, but I mean, definitely at the time, so much of that show spoke to my experience and you know i mean i i was a single woman taking care of myself i identified so much with some of the care you know some of the characteristics of carrie um but it's just it's still one of my favorites it's just silly i totally get it and i've i i you know it that show ran for a long time so i during that period and after i have yet to have had a girlfriend that didn't in some way (laughs) they they loved the show and then there were, yeah, they had things they felt strongly about. Like, I don't, I didn't care for this. You know, yeah. it's something, they had propriety over it. Yeah. Which, and I enjoy, you know, I didn't sit and watch the show unless they were watching it. No, I, you know, I watched myself that yeah. one time because uh, my mom wanted to watch <laughs> it, but I haven't seen it. It, it. it doesn't have anything to do with anything other than 
that part of the fantasy of being in show business for me that wick was pretty short mm-hmm. like seeing myself on a screen right, and then going exactly. oh i get it and um uh, if i i'll do it the way a plumber would uh, check out a pipe or something like or a tool or replace a tool am i did I get away with this? You know, was this too broad a move? Is this something I can work into? You know, um, if, if there's something I need to look at, I can look at, and I think I can look at it analytically mm-hmm. and objectively, then I'll take a look. But other right. than that, I really don't have any interest uh, in my work. <laughs> I can understand I, uh, After yeah. I'm finished doing it, because that's, that's all I can control. The play yeah. is different. You yes. Know, you oh, can't sure. watch yourself. No. And you do have to be completely present and yes. um, and alive. So that's a different experience. But no. And I also, if you walked into my home, there's nothing in it that would suggest I'm an actor because uh, my natural instinct has always been to uh, not look back, not live mm-hmm. in the past. Wow. And uh, what I can be proud of some successes certainly right. as you can tell i'm happy to talk about these times but i will put the phone down after this conversation and uh i, I won't none of that will cross my mind yeah unless somebody asks about it it's just right. it's just the way my head works well you're definitely fun to talk to and maybe one maybe one day you can come back and i'll have more questions for you and we'll, well just maybe see i'll answer goes. a few more of them because <laughs> you probably do have questions it's just i answered one and you need to have me back again so that i can finish it that's my problem and that's ade for you <laughs> there you go um well i do know that your time is limited so i just want to say first of all thank you i love talking to you i i oh. think that like listening to some of the things that you said i i believe we are aligned in many ways so that was fun for me and i hope that it was fun for the listeners too well especially... i give you a bonus question if there's anything else that you left unasked please ask it and i'll be brief i promise uh, uh if, if you if there is if not i've had a great time too well okay I, the last question i had for you because it was a fun one was just what do you do for fun so there weren't a lot more questions <laughs> i knew it why do women lie all no the time i had more <laughs> but the last one was what do you do for fun how about that what do i do for what for fun oh i'm actually doing it right now i i you know multitasking for the, the kind of mind I have yeah. uh, actually helps me focus. So I draw, uh, I try to draw every day and I also sculpt. Uh, and, wait, wait, uh, say that soon, again. You, you do what? I draw and I also sculpt. Oh, sculpt. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, um, and I also, I write, but I consider that more of an advocation. So I have mm-hmm. to force myself to do that. But so like I, the entire time we've been talking, I've been drawing. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so I try to do that every day and I'm trying and that has a purpose you know I I reached some level of Instagram I don't want to know it's a scary world where you get a note and they say hey you want to set up a store do you have anything you want to say you want to link up with some brands and I was like oh I'm a Kardashian this is great <laughs> um, so I, I, I thought what do I have to sell I don't think I do and then I thought well, you could be drawing more dummy. You've always wanted to do that. So I, that's what I've been doing. That's I'm cool. So I've, I've got some pieces I'm working on. I also have a, there's a very talented friend, someone, another person you, you should definitely, definitely interview. Okay. If you've never heard of Gray Delisle, no, do you know I who have, she is? No, I have not. She is great. Well, like she, Gray Delisle Griffin or Gray Griffin Delisle. Uh, she, but she is, she's been a friend of mine for a while. 
first of all, she's got a 14, she, well, her son's now 16, but when I met her, she had a 14 year old son who also drew, but the difference between him and me is he sells his drawings for about $14,000. Wow. He's had gallery shows and this was wow. a 14 and I've seen his work. He's extraordinary. And she's a very, she is a very, very talented actress and singer who also, and her bread and butter is doing voiceover work. So she's the voice of like every female character. Like she's Catwoman. She's, I think she was Betty Rubble or, uh, one of the Scooby-Doo girls. She, she, I think she's pretty much cornered the market. And also one of the sweetest, funniest. She also does stand up, unbelievably great. I'm not pushing her on you. This is just somebody I really think is just not a lot cool. of. I mean, she's got a huge following on Twitter. So go follow her on Twitter and see if I'm right. But she's just so. I mean, I. I try to be funny on Twitter and I get like 14 people <laughs> laugh. She says something funny on Twitter and it's like 6,000. Right. The whole, like the whole city lights up. Now wait, and what's, just, what is her name again? Her name is gray. How do you spell? Like the, how do you like spell? the not quite color. Okay. G-R-A-Y. Delisle. D-E-L. D is a D-E-S-L-Y-L-E. And, and sometimes it's gray Griffin, I, gray Griffin Delisle, but I think it's just gray Delisle. Okay. Uh, you'll find her. Um, she's just, she's terrific. Uh, it, another person I'm happy to put you in touch with if you like. Awesome. Um, I, and that's, if that's also, I, I find that most of, I'm 58 years young, which I think is, I now just say Fred Mertz's age. I don't even tell people anymore. Uh, I'm Fred Mertz years old. Uh, but but um, uh, I find, it occurred to me the other day, I went, oh my God, I, I, I still have some male friends, but by and large, by far, my friends are all women. And yeah. a lot of them are older women. Huh. Uh, you know, and I just, because I'm just far more comfortable around women you don't have to you don't have to suss out the who's the alpha male who's who you know when guys yeah. walk into a room ask your boyfriend about this because i think this is pretty much I think universally you, true. Get along you walk into like any that. room a party with you or without you you can immediately tell okay there's the group that's the do we have a problem here group <laughs> you know the like you know the saloon group i call them you know uh and then there are the guys you have want nothing to do with because they're just they're, there's almost like it, there's no maleness coming off of them yeah. and it isn't it has nothing to do with sexuality i don't mean in a sexual way it's mm -hmm. like there's just there's nothing coming off it could be anybody i'm but i'm talking specifically about men you that that's what I know women are very intuitive. We're not very intuitive, but this is something that I, I've, I've spoken to other guys and they've said, yeah, I get that in a room. You walk into the room and the immediate thing you do is a threat assessment. <laughs> who considers you a threat and who do you consider a threat? And then you get on with the business of going to the party and, you know, you know think, saying inappropriate things. I think you and my boyfriend would get along because he also prefers to hang out with women and have women friends. So They're yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know, what women are even if, because it isn't necessary. It's, you know, for most of my women, I, I would, it isn't a sexual thing at all. Right. There's no sexual component to it. What, it, what there is, is the, I don't have to worry about this. It's mm -hmm. such a relief mm -hmm. that I don't have to worry about, Oh, you really did you, like that kind of just the tone of, 
so you're, uh, <laughs> you're t- okay. All right. You know, like you're, right. uh, we're having five conversations that I don't intend. Yeah. And that's weird because men are not complicated creatures, right. you yeah. know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, well, as I said, it's, it's so fun talking to you. So at some point I probably will ask you to come back and, um, we can oh, talk great. some more and have some, some, you know, some in the fun. meantime, you have my information. Yes, uh, I do. I will. If if you want to talk to those people we mentioned, yes, uh, let me know and you. I'll get you there. I'll speak to them first, and then I'll okay. get you their information. Okay, and I, I I'm happy really, to do it because really you're great. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. And it's I, by calling it a conversation, it's unfair because I <laughs> I can't even remember what your voice sounds like. It did just sort of go, but. Uh, <laughs> That's well, crazy. I had fun too, and I appreciate it. Oh, good! It. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. very, very good at following up. So you don't. Thank have to you worry so much that. for inviting me to do this. Oh well, thank. Well, before uh, I let you go, tell everyone where to find you. Okay, I'm in my apartment right now, and I'm trapped <laughs> under something heavy. So I, I would appreciate it if you're in the New York area and have a crowbar. No, I'm at on Twitter. You can find me at, you know, that little at thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. You type that first, and then Mister. M.R. Craig Bierko, C-R-A-I-G-B-I-E-R-K-O. And that's the same thing with um, uh, it, the Instagram. Uh-huh. You can find me uh, at Mr. Craig Bierko. Now, here's the switch up. Here's where I play with everybody a little bit because <laughs> do a little fake. On Facebook, it's just Craig Bierko. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like I'm not full of tricks and surprises. <laughs> Well, um, everybody should follow you. I I have followed you on Instagram. Of course, I've been following you on Twitter for a while. And I remember one time we had one very bizarre, odd, funny exchange. What was that? I don't even remember. It was just weirdness. You know, it's like was it? Was I rude? No, not at all. You were just funny. Were you? No, we were both getting along and we were both being really weird and just like uh, outwearding each other. And it was funny. Well, to me. that's what I love the most. Yeah. I too. see. I love social media. I really like it. <laughs> Uh, and I, and I, I, you know, it's the wave of the, the wave of the future, as they the say, but the I, I, I've enjoyed it from the beginning. I'm, I'm a little sad about the state of Twitter. I know. But well, that's uh, why you, you got to go over it's to sort of like what yeah. I look at it. That's it's New York in the seventies. That's all. <laughs> you just, we and, just gotta, we have to get you over to spoutable. And, uh, for all of the yeah. listeners who have listened to me talk about spoutable, um, I, it, you know, I know that uh, it's not exactly Twitter yet, but he you send keeps... me the information. I'll join it today. I will, but it's um, it's getting there because Christopher Boozy continues to update and all that stuff, and I trust him. I completely trust him, and no, I don't work for him. But anyway, uh, Craig. I, oh I yeah, would never, then... I would never say this about anybody in the world, but if his name is Christopher Boozy, and I, I really, I listen, I do, wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I hope he's a alcoholic. <laughs> Because no. you can't, yeah. I mean, with that name. <laughs> but I like to just call him Boozy. He's fucking hilarious too. He's very oh, funny. Good. He's he's good. very smart. He's very hilarious. And um, oh, I just of course have to also say that you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, but you can find me on Spoutable. I switched it up too, just Kimberly Johnson, but don't forget L E Y at the end of my name. And then of course all my books are on Amazon. And Craig. Thank you so much for being on the show. Big, big, Oh, thank big you. It's been my pleasure. It's and my don't pleasure. forget, please check out, because uh, I say things like this, uh, watch Sex Life on, on Netflix. Most Sex of Life. you are, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really terrific show. People are really enjoying it. I'm very proud to I be a totally part of it. I will totally try. I will, so. I will totally watch that. I won't try. Okay. I will. I will watch it. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> 
I think you'll like it if you like Sex in the City, because what I hear is it's like Sex in the City with more of the sex. So. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I will yeah. be checking it out. <laughs> and it was awesome <laughs> talking to you. Thank you so I'll much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.